Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag college football. I had another coach in the league call me yesterday, and and that's what he was kind of recommending, that the Big Ten kind of come out and say, hey, this needs to be consistent across the Big Ten. And I said, I just don't think that's going to work. It either needs to be national or not at all. But I just don't see how that's, that's going to work. Penn State coach James Franklin saying that if state governments and medical experts allow a majority of schools within the conference to play college football, they should play even if COVID-19 restrictions prevent a few other teams from within the same league from returning. So Rutgers, you're not holding us back from the Penn State coach. I don't know how else to take that. Uh, yeah, I'm not really concerned about Rutgers or how else to take it. I mean, I think that if you can play football, you should be playing football. That's the bottom line. If somebody else can't, they shouldn't be because they're not going to put money in your pocket. I mean, we're all in this together except when it comes to money. Yeah, that part's true. It just gets complicated because the money's coming to the group for, through the TV contract. So it'll come down to... Power and leverage. I mean, if six Pac-12 teams can go and six can't, or if six Mountain West teams can go and six can't, which six have the leverage to get their way? And maybe it won't break that way. Maybe well, it'll be ten and two. You know, so it'll be obvious. I don't think that the money, a large majority of come comes through television, but I don't think it comes exclusively through television. Right, but since the the gate money, I assume is already. I'm assuming there aren't going to be crowds. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, if there are crowds, then you're right. That's a whole other revenue source. But if you don't have fans in attendance, then the sponsorship signs inside the stadium aren't worth as much. I mean, they're still on TV, some of them. So that TV's a pretty big chunk of what's left. Yes, it is. Big 12 is canceling its preseason football media days. They were going to be at AT&T Stadium, the Cowboys Stadium in Arlington. Instead, it'll be a virtual event. They're the first Power 5 conference to announce that. Obviously, the Mountain West has already announced it. So is the MAC, Conference USA, and the AAC. So I expect we're going to hear more of that. You're not, you're not planning on uh, Southern California, are you? Going to that mall, which I think is closed too? Not right now, but, I mean, it's the end of July. It's literally the last week of July, so I'm planning on it until I hear otherwise. NCAA approved a waiver that will allow schools to spend below the minimum level on athletic scholarships required to compete in D1. Basketball and football players will be allowed to participate in summer athletic activities without being enrolled in school as well. And the NCAA will vote on May 13 if they will extend the recruiting dead period through June 30th. So... Keep adapting all of those rules. I guess the participating in summer athletic activities without being enrolled in school, that's a step forward, assuming there are summer athletic activities. It means Devontae Henry Cole could be at BYU working with coaches, I guess. Oh, yeah, fine. Back to that dead period, scholarships are being offered left and right, so I'm not sure what a dead period really means. I think what it means is that they can't get on a plane and fly and no visit the kids. in-person fine. meetings. But, it, but, but it's, mis- it's, it's misleading. It's not a dead it's period. It's not totally dead. It's a no-travel thingy. Right. Correct. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. 
NFL laid out protocols for the gradual reopening of team facilities. A process that will begin with select staff members and eventually expand to include players. Facilities have been shut down since March. According to the memo, the first group of employees allowed back into facilities would include no more than 50% of the non-player staff and up to a total of 75 per day. This sounds like they're doing what office staffs all over the place have done. A lot of people work from home, but maybe not everybody. Doesn't sound like that's cutting edge. Oh, no, not at all. You know, I would imagine those who have to be there versus those who can do their job from home. Keep the ones who can do it from home, keep doing it from home. Jadavian Clowney and the Seattle Seahawks have not ruled out reuniting, but the defensive end would have to take significantly less money than what the team previously offered in order for the reunion to happen. Clowney has reportedly been seeking top-level money in free agency. But I, I imagine top-level money has been shrinking lately. Got to follow the cap and all of that. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. What is the Maverick stance on opening the facility on Friday? Yeah, it's not going to happen. The problem, obviously, is because we can't test people, then we can't assure anybody's safety, um, whether they're basketball players or anybody else. And even though we can try to take all different types of precautions, it's just not worth it. Uh, particularly when our guys are staying in shape and they're going outside and shooting on outdoor hoops and you know working out in various ways. So I just don't think the risk is worth the reward. That's Mark Cuban, Dallas Mavericks. Most teams are with him, but there are three teams that plan to reopen on Friday. The Nuggets, the Blazers, and the Cavaliers. That's the day the NBA said as the first day facilities could reopen for individual workouts. Houston Rockets were open to open their facility, but decided against that after the Texas governor said to hold off opening gyms until May 18th. So, a trickle of teams, 10% of the league back. Everybody else... Uh, yeah, maybe in a couple days or a couple weeks. We'll have to see how it plays out. Yeah, it's fine. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball expects to offer a return-to-play proposal to the Major League Baseball Players Association within a week. As teams have begun to encourage players to prepare for a spring training, using the term spring loosely, but you get the idea, they could begin in mid-June and a season that could start in early July, according to a report from ESPN. Baseball in July. Sounds good to me. Spring training in June. Of course, we got the PGA Tour planning on uh, cranking up in June as well. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what they're talking about. And so I think you should proceed as such. And then if you have to make adjustments to the adjustment, you adjust. Multiple plans. Keep them available. Keep them handy. Yeah, I think a lot of it, too, for the players is the mindset. Rather than just say, hey, there's no chance. Let's just forget about this. I mean, this is a long shot. Well, what does that do to the mindset of the player? Whereas if you've got a target date, I think that gets the mindset of the player, depending on what position you play, to throw, to to hit, to field, you know, all the various positions that are in a, in a, in a game, in a play, a roster. And so the mindset allows you to, I think, work out with a better purpose and a better intent. And so then if it does come to pass, you're that much uh, more ready. But if it, then if it, you have to make an adjustment at that time, well, really, what have you lost? You've not, you haven't lost anything because you, it's not there. You're not playing yet. But the mindset of the, the player would be, okay, I've got 
June 20th as a date. And, you know, I'm working towards that. That's when we're going to, I don't know if they're going to have, like we do every winter, pitchers and catchers report February 13th. Pitchers and catchers report June 17th, you know, and then uh, the other players start coming in. Although these days, everybody shows up as soon as they can, because if you're a baseball player, it's something you've been doing as, since you were a kid, and you just love doing it, so you're there anyway. But uh, that might be an extreme to have pitchers and catchers report, but if they know that they're targeting a date, I think that helps keep them. If nothing else, it, I would think that the morale would be up, thinking, all right, we've got... Uh, 50 days, 40 days, and so forth and so on. So I like that idea of targeting a date, and if it can't come to pass, well, then you'd make the adjustment necessary. I think uh, the mindset deal, I think you're spot on there. And I think we heard a little bit of that uh, from Joe Ingles on his Zoom press conference. We can talk to him because he's going to join us today at 9 o'clock. When he was talking about, you know, and maybe it was on our show too, he was talking a little bit about... um, it kind of it just feels like the off season right now yeah. because he hasn't gone to the facility, he hasn't uh, you know gone five on five with his teammates. They haven't been on a plane to go to a game. He hasn't you know they haven't been watching you know sitting in that same room where they watch all the film with the coaches. And those are all those all go to the mindset. I mean you know you can go play basketball in the off season. It just feels like the off season because he's not doing anything that goes with the season stuff. And you can yeah, just hear exactly. his voice. And I can imagine for a baseball player, uh, unless you're injured, that there literally hasn't been a time in the oh, second yeah. week of May that <laughs> right. you haven't been playing a b- ball probably, you know, the overwhelming majority of amount of time of your life. Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah, these yeah. guys were most of these guys were playing at 9, 10, 11, 12. I mean, they yeah. were oh, they were already sure. yeah, they were already going. So, yeah. yeah. Even the the 23-year, 24-year-old guy, eight years old. I mean, that's two-thirds of your life if you started playing at eight. And you probably didn't. You probably started playing at six or seven. Yeah, so it's got to be extremely weird for those guys. I think we're, we're starting to get in the NBA season time of year that most teams aren't playing, you know, because you get in this, this time, uh, at the least, you're in the second round. Right. And, and, We'd be down to eight teams playing, which yeah. means 22 teams would be done. Right. So it ended abruptly in an unusual way, but this time of year, it's a little bit different for them because for uh, this time of year, the reality for Joe is that he would be preparing to go to Australia back for what would be his winter down under, and so it's it's an unusual situation. And I think they would probably like uh, some information too because eh, you know I'm not a professional ball player by any stretch, but you'd think that these guys just want to get out there. You know, set aside the financial ramifications which you know it's hard to do because money's driven by everything and everything's driven by money but you'd think that you just would love to play the game I I certainly would if I were them and and you know maybe a few days off here and there are refreshing but we're getting to the two-month mark and so I think that I would get extremely itchy one way or the other you know let me know just whatever it is just just let me know and then I'll adjust how I need to adjust it's what they do, and so to all of a sudden have the routine taken away. We've heard that from retiring players. You know, they miss the locker room. They miss the routine. They miss seeing the guys. And just from our own world, you know, we were shut down for the deep cleaning of the arena, and so we weren't on the air for a few days. And then we were shut down again because of the earthquake because they had to inspect the arena, and some of our equipment got damaged in that, the power and, you know, fried stuff. And so we had those off periods – 
And we hadn't spoken, and you called me, and the first thing I told you is, I'm not cut out for retirement. And you started laughing. And it goes to that for those guys, too. It's like, they're not ready to retire. This is what they do. I'm cut out for going on a beach. But yeah, not, now you're talking. Not sitting at home being uh, restricted to my home. Uh, but, yeah, retirement's not on my mind either. There's still too much to do. Hey, fans are going to be allowed to enter baseball stadiums for games in Taiwan for the first time this season as part of a gradual easing of restrictions. Uh, the China Professional Baseball League said up to 1,000 people would be permitted to enter ballparks Friday after an agreement between the league and Taiwan's Central Epidemic Command Center. Let baseball gradually return to Chinese life. That's the, uh, the line they're using there. So 1,000 people spread across the stadium, you know, a couple people in a row here, a couple people at the end of the next row up, keeping everybody spread out, but hey, thousands better than nothing. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I don't know what the size of the stadiums are, how it's going to look, but uh, try it, and then you can always adjust backward if the medical people give you the okay. I'm not saying just be loose and free with rules and just throw caution to win. That's not the point. I'm saying if there is some type of... Uh, Oh, whatever it might be, an agreement or universal approval from folks who know what they're talking about, thinking that, okay, this is something that you can handle, and then you go through uh, the proper authorities, uh, give that a shot, see how it goes. But you're right, 1,000 would be better than nothing, obviously. Maybe to drown out, you know, the voices so you just don't hear one voice echoing across the stadium. I hear you. Hey, 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 move over. Yeah, I think they'd probably be speaking... Chinese. I don't know if they'd be speaking English. Jayo. That's what I like to say in China. How big are those stadiums? You spent a couple years there. Biggest are probably about 10,000 seats. They're not huge. So 10% fold up. Yeah, but you can put 1,000 people in there and at least have some fan interaction. The Jazz announced attendance of 1,800 tonight. A sellout. In that situation, if they had a standing ovation, you could literally count that, and it would have to be. And so if you only had, like, 980, it wouldn't be an entire standing ovation. It would be a partial standing ovation. You know, sometimes the standing ovation, everybody leaps to their feet, but sometimes the people in front do, and then you got to stand up just to see. And with a 1,000 people scattered, you'd have to have the real deal where everyone leaps to their feet because you wouldn't have to stand up just to see. Right. It would be a more of a, a true standing ovation. Because I think we use standing ovation just way too flippantly. And it's always bugged me all these years. It's not. I see seen people sitting down, but yet they say standing ovation. No, it's partial. Here, you could literally figure it out. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Craig Bowlerjack, his weekly visit. That's at 830. Joe Ingalls will be here at 9 o'clock this morning on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's go! The Big Show. It's a big deal! With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Mark Eaton with us on the big show. That era of the 80s, early 90s, uh, it was uh, most coaches did not like the fact that you had friends on other teams. They didn't want you fraternizing or hanging out with other players. And I was told that a few times during my career. The team generally frowned on that stuff. You know, if you knocked a guy down on the other team, like, don't pick him up. Like, just leave him there. That was just kind of the attitude back then. And now people are trading jerseys, which, you know, some of the guys that played in my era look at that like, what are they doing? <laughs> the Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 
DJ and PK brought to you in part by Master Electrical Services. Master Electrical is always open during this challenging time. Call Master Electrical at 801-543-2222 for upfront pricing and satisfaction guaranteed. Master Electrical Service will light up your day. Question of the morning from uh, Penn State football coach James Franklin. Should football teams play this season if not all the members of their conference can play? I think the answer to that is yes. I think that's a pretty easy answer. I think where it gets tricky is how many can you leave behind? I think they leave themselves behind. So if six teams in the 12-team league can play, should the six go ahead? Yes. Leaves holes in the schedule, reconfigure the schedule, so what, yes. figure it out, play home and home if you have to. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Would the other six play in the spring? Have a divided season? It's up to them. So if it's four out of 12, what do you do? If it's one out of 12, you play. (laughs) (laughs) Who do you play at that point? You schedule Anybody you can find. Yes. Figuring there's somewhere else around the country where there's an imbalance, you just make it up as you go along. The country wants its sports. That's the bottom line, man. I mean, look at these things that are on television now. The country wants its sports. If you can give it to them, and I make that qualifier that it's medically the right thing to do. I'm not just saying just to hell with everything, play it, and uh, if you get sick and die, well, it sucks for you. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm saying if you can, if there's one, the country wants it, I'm sure whatever that team is, if there's one team in the Mountain West – and that team happens to be San Jose, which is highly unlikely given where they are, but I'm just using it as an example. Uh, go ahead and do it. Like the Nuggets are opening up their stuff tomorrow, you just said. So if uh, CSU and Wyoming and Air Force and Colorado, uh, they can play because the conditions in, in the state of Colorado are much better than fill in the blank elsewhere, then go ahead and play. And if you got to play each other three times, Go ahead and play each other three times because the kids are certainly going to want to play. Everybody wants it. It's not like there's there's some snooty university professors who are sitting back gleefully hoping there's no football because they're jealous of how much money and how much tension this sport brings. And so they don't want it. And they've been out there and we've you've heard them from time to time. Uh, we get that. So they're going to seize on this probably. But who cares what they think? The rest of the world or the rest of our country wants to have live sports. And so if you can put it out there and they have to, this is this is only a temporary thing here. It's not like you asked me, am I planning to go to the Pac-12 media? Okay, maybe not this year, but I certainly am next summer after this year. Um, the thing, we're not going to be in this situation forever. Uh, so... Uh, my my thing is let's get back as soon as we can to, to regular life. And the cost of not doing so is certainly costing a lot, literally, to everyone, DJ, literally. And so with that in mind, if you can get back, it's a proper thing to do. If one can do it, you know, go ahead and do it. I mean, you, you got an opportunity to play, play. I hadn't really considered this, but I guess the uh, possibility – maybe probability maybe would be a better word, is that uh, we'll have several college football seasons. You know, the, the schools, because under your theory, you know, if, if four out of 12 or 14 schools are ready to go in September and they want to start, but are there four more schools that 
can't go until October or November? Are there four or six more schools that are going to want to play in the spring? And everybody's going to need their games. And at what point is ESPN or Fox going to turn down a college football game? Yeah, that's That exactly seems pretty unlikely. Yeah. And, and throw the seasons out this year. So I'm not worried about, oh, how are you going to have a conference season? How are you going to have a title game? I don't, I don't really care about that. You, know, you made a statement, oh, the NBA comes back and it's a nightmare scenario if the Lakers get knocked out in a first. No, it's not. Just the fact that it's there. I mean, it's, it's all jacked up anyway. For, everything's going to be all jacked up for the next fill-in-the-blank months. Or maybe even years, who knows? So, but who cares about? It's not about winning a title. It's not about finishing uh, first this year. You know, in the South, if if things are normal, then it is. But for this coming season, it may not be. Let's put it that way. It may not be about winning the South. It may be just the joy of playing is the whole point. And so, yeah, I get you play to win the game, and you're going to try to win that game. But maybe there isn't a, an official league standings. Certainly there isn't the way we know them. So what? Who cares? We can deal with it. It's not going to be this way forever and ever. So just have it. Have whatever you can have. That's my whole point. And if it doesn't add up into a nice, neat package the way we know it, so what? So I'm with you 90% of the way. And then as you were talking, the one thing that occurred to me is, but the money does matter. And the college football playoff generates a lot of money. So you can blow off, you know, don't worry about the conference race and don't worry if they have to mix and match non-conference games. We can't play here. You can. All right, let's trade off opponents for this year. Whatever. I get all of that. But, man, those three playoff games are worth a lot of cash. So, you know, a lot of the bowl games, so what? But those three playoff games, that's big money. And if you can have them, great. I expect we're going to have them somehow, some way. Great. Even better. I'm saying that if you can't have it, all right, fine. That doesn't mean – my point is don't do it because you can't have that at the end. I'm looking at worst case, best case. Worst case is you can't, so you make the best of the worst case. And by that, so you play eight games. Play eight games. It's like the the Taiwanese baseball. A thousand fans is better than zero. It's not close to capacity. And you just said, you know, made a, a line that they determine whatever in the for the Jazz Arena, 1,800 is what would be a sell. And you just randomly picked that number. It was, 10, so, it was 10%, just on Yach's theory that those are 10,000-seat yeah. okay. stadiums. Yeah, in, all right. And they're well, letting in 1,000 people in Taiwan. That's better than nothing. And if the games are on television, there's so many more people watch i mean adam uh, silver spoke that such a small majority of his nba fans actually go to games well then that 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 will there'll be a smaller majority but the uh, my guess is the television audience would be a bigger audience then because at the minimum you'd have those people who would be at the game they obviously want to go so then they want to see it so then they would watch it on television plus who knows how many more would watch it on television so it would be a boon you talk about a morale booster to a country yeah that would be gigantic well the way we're all flocking to the jordan series you know anything new anything hit me up right and it would be some form it's not in its truest for form that we've known but for the short term who cares 
I mean, I, I don't care. Whoever wins, if they have an NBA title uh, playoff system this year in the calendar year of 2020, it's going to be jacked up anyway. And it's going to be remembered forever. I mean, obviously, this is stuff that's going your, – your grandkids' grandkids are going to be talking about this in school in years to come. We understand that, right? So, you know, sports is just going to be a little small byproduct of it. And people will be talking about it. They'll remember it. It's already jacked up. So who cares if it gets jacked up a little bit more? To me, it's all about the idea of that they're back doing it. It's easier for me to say I understand that because I don't get caught up in the results – and I don't get caught up in who won. I get caught up in the fact that somebody won and they were playing for something and Team A beat Team B and we talk about it and I enjoy watching it. But I don't care whether Team A or Team B wins in the first place. It doesn't matter to me. Very rarely does a sporting event's result matter to me. It's the fact that they're playing is what matters. And there's a race and people are balling out. In whatever sport it might be, whatever gender it might be, it doesn't matter. And they're out there competing as hard as they can. That's what I. That's why I'm interested in it. So I get it. It's a little bit easier for me to say. But I think under these circumstances, being so different as they are, most people would just like the fact to have them play. Well, you listen to some of the coaches, and it sounds like some of them are convinced. I mean, obviously, we heard Dabo Sweeney. That was probably a month ago now. And he thinks they're going to be able to play. And then you hear James Franklin at Penn State, and he thinks they're going to be able to play. So... Some schools will be going forward, but maybe yeah. not Maybe not all. I think that's the mindset you have to have because you're in a competitive environment and you have to think you're going until you're told otherwise. It's like guys are going to be joining uh, NFL training camps at some point. And so you've got to think that I'm going to make this team. Because if you go into it thinking, I'm not going to make it. You're well, not going to make it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I know how that works out. Right. I thought I wasn't going to make it, and here I am, 10-time Super Bowl champion. Yeah. <laughs> if, and you might realize it's a long shot, but you still have to think, I'm going to make the team. Which means your mindset is, every drill... Every segment of practice, you're giving your everything. You're doing exactly what they're asking you to do. You're going as hard as you can, and then you let the chips fall. If you don't make it, that that Herm Edwards thing that they had on uh, Pac-12, I've seen it a couple of times. They brought in like uh, eight uh, rookies or eight free agents, I forget. They may have been drafted. I don't even know if Herm was drafted back then. And he said that uh, he asked somebody, uh, how many do you usually do you plan on keeping? And the guy says eight. And Herb's response was, who do you think the other seven are going to be? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, and he ended up making it. He played in the NFL for a number of years, right? And that obviously catapulted that into uh, coaching and broadcasting. And so he's, he's 66 years old. He just turned 66 the other day. And so he's made a nice living for himself. Even though he wasn't the greatest NFL coach and all that stuff and remains to be seen how he's doing, uh, how he'll do in the desert if he can actually elevate the program or just keep finishing in the middle of the pack, which they've, you know, they've made a tradition of doing. And you look at all the projections here – two percent chance to win so they're projected again to be in the middle of the pack but nevertheless he's getting paid a handsome salary and he's been paid a handsome salary for 40 some years now and good on him and his mindset was i'm gonna make the team and he did and i think it's the same thing here with uh, coaches and players you're gonna get back out on the field you're gonna get back out on that court whatever it might be get back out on that grass there dave you're gonna put your hand in the dirt yeah 
<laughs> you're gonna put that hat on. You're gonna chip lock. And you're gonna stunt. And all the let's see. Let me open. I'm on page seven now. And uh, let me read some more uh, of what it's got to be. I mean, I think that's the only way you can react. So of course you're hearing these coaches. I had a Gundy at Oklahoma State. He had to apologize and all. But that's who these guys are. They're not health experts. What the hell do they know about that stuff? But they know about the particular sport that they, they coach. And they're thinking, yeah, let's go for it. Now, the, the, the educated or the more educated, the most educated people will have to sign off. That's something that I want to make abundantly clear on that. But when that time comes, they're, they're thinking, yeah, let, let's go. Of course they're thinking let's go. And I just think it would be a boon. And you fans, would it matter to you if you played seven games and your schedule was basically, uh, you know, done on the fly here in the next couple of months? BYU fans, Utah State fans, Weaver fans, whatever fan you might be, does it matter in this situation? I mean, obviously it would matter long term, but this situation, I would think that most fans would be able to understand the situation and be grateful for whatever is available. I think that's where most people are. I mean, we could run a poll if you want, but I think most people are, you know, a good example is the PGA Tour, right? I mean, the Tour is already jacked up. The Masters was played on time. The U.S. Open has been delayed several months. The British Open has been canceled. The, the Masters, sorry, was not played, but is rescheduled for November. Right. The U.S. Open is rescheduled, but only delayed like three months, while the Masters delayed like eight, and the British Open's gone altogether. So it's all jumbled. Since when does the Masters come after the U.S. Open? Never. Well, it does this year, but who cares? Exactly. You know, and they were plugging tournaments in that went away and just kind of mixed and matched. Yeah, I mean, the PGA basically got the West Coast swing this year, and that was it. Yeah. So it's the Masters in November. I'll deal with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're... Even if they had to do, uh, just throw crap against the wall. They had to do the first and second round one week, and the second and third rounds the follow, or third and fourth rounds the following week. And for whatever reason, who knows? I mean, I'm just making stuff. We deal with it. Yeah, it would be better than nothing. And I, I think that you know, there's a good portion of people who couldn't care less about sports. We understand that, but for those who do, we're starved. We're starved for this, man. We desperately want it back. You want it back really, really bad. I know I do. I absolutely do. And and I I think that I'm one of these guys who had sports in perspective to where I never have gone crazy about it. You never had to worry about me losing my mind and screaming and cussing at a 21-year-old kid or a, a, a 47-year-old referee. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, it just, it's not going to happen, no. right? It's never, it's just, it never did happen, even when I was younger. I just I rolled with it. I've sat, I've sat next to you at games. You can go long periods with barely saying a word. Just kind of yeah. looking, just kind of watching. You, right. would, you would be the last person up <laughs> yelling stuff and throwing stuff. Yeah, you'd be so, more likely to just like look at me, raise one eyebrow, like these people are losing their mind without even saying it. <laughs> yeah, and we and I've seen it, I've seen it a thousand times over, you know, because I've been doing this for a long time for a living. So I go to all these events, and you go to these events, and we see these people go absolutely berserk and make fools out of themselves. And I think that you know, what are you doing? But then you know, in a sense, I'm grateful for them because they have that extreme amount of passion so i think i've always had it in perspective with that in mind 
I'm freaking starving for this stuff, and I want it back really bad. I couldn't give a crap who wins the NBA title, but I want it back. I want to see it. I want it back. I want it back as soon as it can possibly come back, man. I want to see Joe come down that left side, and what is he going to do? Is he going to ball fake? Is he going to then pass? Is Rudy available for the lob at the rim? Is Bogey in the corner? He can swing it to the opposite or ball fake and go up and lay it up, looking like he's in slow motion and he ends up with a layup. That That's a simple little play, man, but I really, really miss it. I miss it bad. Well, it sounds like you're getting it. It sounds like we're going to have football one way or another, even if it's a partial season with some teams and not others. And, you know, the, the, <laughs> I've got to admit, when I heard James Franklin say this yesterday, <laughs> the first thing I thought was like, oh, just come out and say Rutgers. But then you thought about it, you thought, well, you know, Detroit's got the international airport and all the flights coming in from different cities in Asia. And early on, Michigan had it pretty bad, and it seems like they're doing better. You know, if Rutgers doesn't play Big Ten football, that's not, those aren't the Big Ten games people in this part of the country are watching. You know, we're watching the top end of the league. But if Michigan and Michigan State can't go, you know, you would notice that, because those are teams, you know, that you're likely to watch, and Michigan State's on BYU's schedule. So, isn't this the year Michigan State comes in, Yuck? I yeah, in yeah, front yeah. of me. Yeah, yeah BYU's yeah. coming in. So, you know, there are impacts with some of these schools, and who knows what the situation will be like when we get there. Yeah, Michigan is a good example, the entire state, because, you know, I've been in that state a few times now and have extended family members who've lived there for many, many years, still live there. And it, it is a state that is one of the few that is professionally slanted, but yet they still go berserk for colleges. You know, and I don't know how many states you can really, really say that. You certainly can't say that about California, but you can say that. I mean, basically, Ann Arbor is an extended suburb of Detroit. Oh, oh yeah. You come out of the airport, you turn right in to go into, into Detroit, you turn left, and, you know, it's down the road a little bit, not too far. Michigan State's a little little past that. But yet, you know, it's such such a big deal because it's my wife's family that is from the Detroit area, not mine. You know, I've been back there with her cousins, and they're split. Michigan, Michigan State, and it's fun to listen to them talk about it and how the maize and blue, man, it's such a big, big deal. And the other ones, the 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 the, the, the green of Michigan State. You know, I had a nephew who went there, uh, and I had a nephew who played college football. And so I can only imagine, man, what it's going to be like there in the fall if they don't have that, because it is a big deal. And then obviously you've got oh, they Detroit has all the pro sports, don't they? Yeah, they do. They they have all they have them all. The uh, I think that you know when you go to the other states, you know like Pennsylvania and Ohio have obviously you know the Eagles and Steelers have huge fan bases, but Penn State's in the middle of the state kind of a way, you know, the same way Columbus is in the middle of the state for Ohio State, two hours from Cincinnati and Cleveland, so it's a little offset. Detroit's really unique in that, you know, you can just draw like a 45-minute circle and you get everybody. Maybe you don't get Michigan State, but you certainly get all the Michigan, University of Michigan stuff with all the, the Detroit's major teams, especially it's probably even less than a 45-minute circle now that all the teams have moved back downtown. I was thinking more when the Lions were up north and 
you know, the Palace and Auburn Hills and all that. They're spread out a little bit. So it's a little, uh, it's a little different. Um, all right, DJ and PK, got to take a break here. When we come back, uh, what did you watch last night? And I think we can expand it to what should you watch tonight. I got something for you based on what's happening or what happened on this day in history. Something for you to watch tonight. So we're looking ahead and back next. DJ and PK, stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Do you ever think you could have been a competitive eater? No. Take the structure out of it. I could eat a half gallon ice cream right now. Okay, how quick? In uh, 20 minutes. That's one segment, Lloyd. Are we ready to do this on the air? Now? The thing is, it's just not my thing anymore. You just threw it out there that you could eat a half gallon ice cream in 20 minutes. Yeah, well, you could jump on a donkey naked and ride it. But, but it's not your thing anymore. Do you, you, is it your thing? Do you want to do it? Okay, how many mozzarella sticks could you eat in one sitting? In one sitting in 20 minutes. Probably 20. I've got a half gallon of ice cream in front of me, and Scotty's got 20 mozzarella sticks in front of him. Who finishes first? Man. Do either one of us finish? And Lloyd's got a donkey. <laughs> Hanson Scotty. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. With a little extra time on your hands, it's time to talk about what we're doing to kill time. What did you watch last night with DJ and PK on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network? Too much time on my hands. Too much time on my DJ and PK brought to you by The Warehouse. Join Tom from The Warehouse. He's going to be on the big show Friday. He'll be calling in all show long with great deals from the Orem location of The Warehouse. Don't miss the calls. that are always fantastic. Boom! All right, last night, PK, I was channel surfing. I saw the dog shows you were talking about. I just couldn't do it. I even explained to my wife who was sitting there, yeah, PK was explaining about the parade into the dog shows and how do they judge, and, and we agreed we couldn't help you. We have no idea what the heck they're doing. But there they were doing it, so we kept moving. <laughs> ESPN was replaying the uh, 1998 All-Star Game. Again, anything that's Jordan-related right now, there seems to be an appetite for. So 98 is Jordan's last All-Star Game, and Kobe's there, and Carl Malone sets the screen, and Kobe doesn't want it because he's going one-on-one. So nah, I can't watch old All-Star Games. So I flipped again over to ESPN2, and they were rerunning an old uh, World Series of Poker. So I kept going. And the Golf Channel was replaying Hogan stuff. Some I've seen, some I haven't. And I caught part of it that I hadn't seen. And they were talking about how he had his greatest run of golf um, after World War II. He's one of those athletes who, you know, missed a big chunk of his prime because he was in the service. And he comes back and he has his three-year run before he has the car accident that becomes this legendary part of his career where he's completely dominated. There have only been a handful of guys who've been able to get to double digits in wins in a season. You know, 10-win season is just off the charts good. Uh, I think Tigers got one, and Hogan had two in three years. And they were going through his 46th season, and he won 13 times. But And I was thinking, how would this work today in the era of Twitter? He won 13 times, and he won a major. But he three putted 18 
and lost the Masters by a shot. And then he was uh, he had the, he needed to two putt at uh, 18 at the U.S. Open to get into a playoff. And he didn't do it, and he finished one shot back. I think today, would they celebrate the 13 wins in the major, or would he get crushed because it's not 15 and three majors? He was, he was right there. I mean, 18 on Sunday at the Masters, and he put the ball above the pin and then three-putted from there. I think that's just part of the whole package, though. Most folks, if you have some great wins you're probably going to have some devastating losses i mean no one's in no one literally no one is invincible and uh, you know you talk of the jordan thing we know of his defeats and so i think that's part of the whole deal i think you celebrate everything that uh, that he was there to have it and he didn't get it that time but he got it all those other times it is the nature of golf which makes it a little different than the other sports but i immediately thought of magic johnson who lost four times in the nba finals and lebron who's lost six times in the nba finals and thinking well Ben Hogan is just, you know, an all-time legend. I mean, he, he died in the last century, and we're coming up on, I don't know what, 75 years since this stuff was happening, and people are still making and watching documentaries about him. But yeah. you don't win them all. It's the no, ones, you no. like to say, it's the ones you win, not the ones you lose that we remember. Yeah, because everyone's going to have the losses. That's, that's part of the process. The losses are part of the process. What'd you watch last night? I watched, I think, the best opportunity to see how good this team can be, and I'm speaking of the Jazz. I watched the end and uh, a good portion, of, actually, of the Jazz win over the Clippers in December. It was a few days after Christmas, and that Clipper team had George and Kawhi Leonard playing. And the possibility of this team, you know, they've had their ups and downs this season, obviously, but when they were up, <laughs> that was a great, great win. I mean, off the top of my head, I think it's the best win they had because the Clipper team is really good, and the Clipper team was, uh, to a degree anyway, at least that its two stars were playing, and the Jazz went down there and won that ball game. And watching Mitchell, Mitchell, when he's playing well, and, and he's been playing well usually more often than not, is so smooth and so good. And as I was saying, I really miss him not being out on that floor. I want to see this kid. This is something that I'm way excited about, to see him develop, to see where he could end up when it's said and done for him, which is many years away from being in that situation now. But you've got a true star in the making, and you get to watch him develop and progress. And I think he's made significant progression this season compared to his other two seasons. And the way his body now is so under control, it doesn't seem like, you know, there's some stuff where you know, occasionally you have a bad shot, that's going to happen. But it doesn't seem like he's wildly out of control. He's got a purpose and a plan, and he knows what he's doing. And he has the body, the balance, and all those things that you need. And I think his shot has improved. Shot selection obviously has improved. There's no question about that. But his shot has improved, too. And... The athleticism that he possesses, especially for a smaller player, man. He's dynamic, and it was fun to watch, and I want to watch that. I want to watch it tonight. I know I'm not going to be able to watch it tonight, but I want to be able to watch it as soon as I possibly can and to watch him do his thing now. And you're watching these games here, and obviously the the local station is never going to put one where the team loses, so you know the outcome, even if you don't know the outcome. 
You know that your your team or the, the home team is going to win. Tonight, watch the Jazz play their worst game let's, of the year. They'll play, be yeah. down by 20 in the third quarter. The 1998 54-point <laughs> yeah. outing in the final. Well, on the yeah, same, right, game three in 98. On my Comcast, on the same channel, it has uh, the Rockies. So you know the Rockies are going to win when they have that out there, right? They're not going to put when the Rockies lose. And so after the game... Uh, it was still it came on was the Rockies and the Diamondbacks and I thought well forget this I'm not going to watch the Diamondbacks lose to the Rockies <laughs> so I, I changed it over and uh, I flicked around till it was time to go to bed I have uh, I've got my DVR set to record all the jazz games you have that automatic setting so I don't have to remember every time because you know when they're playing then if anything comes up and I miss anything for any reason you know sometimes on the weekend they're playing through newscasts I can always watch it at home and uh, so it's recording stuff and it's funny you mention that because last night I was deleting some stuff because the DVR fills up pretty fast and I saw game four uh, the Rockets take a 3-1 lead over the jazz by defeating blah blah blah, blah. and Harden had a big game and I'm like well, that must have been on NBA TV because why in the world would anyone oh, locally yeah, gotcha. rerun that? I must have yeah. picked up a jazz game off NBA TV here. Uh, hey, something to watch tonight. If you, uh, tw- you know what happened 25 years ago today, PK? Uh, a million things, but I don't yes. know where you're going with this. 25 years ago today was Reggie Miller scoring eight points in the final seconds. The Nick Killer. Yes, and totally destroying the Knicks. It was amazing. Eight points in 8.9 seconds. Yes. And it won the game. It was right at the end. It was an incredible sequence. It looks like he got away with a foul, but, you know, in that era, people were fouling each other all over the place and it wasn't getting called. But, yeah, when you see, I think it was Starks go to the ground, he shoved somebody in the back to the ground. Uh, He got away with it. So uh, there was a 30 for 30 out on that entire Pacers-Knicks rivalry. Yeah. And when my son was in junior high or high school, I can't remember – it was, it was. I saw it was coming on, and I said, "Hey, you got to watch this because the, the number one thing he likes about sports is rivalries. He just loves it when somebody can't stand somebody else and they go back and forth." And he goes, "Indiana and New York was a rivalry. It doesn't make sense to him, right? He's used to BYU and Utah and USC and UCLA, and you know the Lakers and the Celtics. Okay, they met in the NBA Finals. I get that, but he didn't know Pacers Knicks. And I'm like, just watch and wait until you see what happens. And we were about halfway through it, and he just looked at me and goes, "Wow, this is really good." And that game is one of several really good things that happens in this rivalry. And you know, there's a lot of big names in it. Birds in the middle of it. Patrick Ewing's in the middle of it. Reggie Miller's in the middle of it. There, there's a lot of good interviews, a lot of good, uh, a lot of good highlights, and three excellent playoff series. So if you have a chance to dig that 30 for 30 up, it's 25 years ago to the day for Reggie Miller. That 30 for 30 was well done. Well, that's Reggie Miller's finest moment as an NBA player. Hmm, was that bigger or them finally getting to the uh, finals, although the Lakers then rolled them? No, I think it was this. That one? It was, it's in New York. Yep, it's in the garden. Not not in Milwaukee. (laughs) Uh, So, under the circumstances, yes, I think. Stockton's finest moment is hitting the shot against Houston, not the finals. All right, check it out tonight. DJ and PK, that's what we've been watching. Stay with us. More to come. 8 o'clock hour. Craig Bowlerjack's coming up at 8.30. 9 o'clock hour. Joe Ingles at 9.05. Right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.